Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to have you here. As always, take a hot second of gratitude for taking the time to invest in yourself and in content that enriches up levels and nourishes your soul. And I cannot think of anybody better to help nourish your soul than the award-winning novelist, Alia Lanius. She is known as a successful business entrepreneur. She is a multiple award-winning novelist, and she's the founder of nonprofits geared at supporting people in their time of need. Alia Lanius is a maverick and a role model. For over 20 years, she has been sharing her personal experiences with audiences of all age groups and diverse backgrounds across the globe, sharing tragedies and triumphs, both positive and negative, allowing others to realize that there is always hope in the dark. She is the founder of the nonprofit Unsugarcoated Media, creating events and content that empower our community, including the event that I met her through, EmpowerCon. Uh, I was blessed to share the stage with Alia at EmpowerCon 2019 at the LA Convention Center, and I am blessed to be a part of the board for 2020, and I am so excited for where this woman is going with what she is doing. She is only getting started. And so let's get started. Alia, welcome to The Princess and the Bee. Thank you, Kimberly. Oh my goodness, you're amazing. (laughs) I love it how you put me up. I'm like, can I say all the nice things about you that I am just completely in love with? And I'm so honored to be here with you on your show. Did you want to say the nice things about me? Yes, can I say? You can say nice things about me anytime. I will will totally receive them. I love it when you say, you know, it's like a mirror. I love that about her. You know, like when when people say things about me, I just find it ironic because I'm like, that's all that I see in you. I was so thankful to meet you. I think you're inspirational. I think what you're doing for people, men and women, relationships, all of that. It's just, it's inspiring. So I'm quite happy to be associated with you and call you my girlfriend. Hell yeah. One of my favorite things, and I have to share this for a hot second, was our first conversation. So like the ballsy entrepreneur that I am, uh, I just popped on a call with Alia back in like May, was it, of last year? Yes. And she was like, girl, I get it. Work it. And I was like, immediately, I was like, okay, this girl is my soul sister. Like, <laughs> because we just started sharing stories and you were like, Yep, you got do the hustle, girl. And I'm like, uh huh, that's right, preach it. I mean, you got to respect the hustle. It's like, you know, it's like I was sitting with someone yesterday and they were talking about business in general and how some people are shy to put their product out there. And I said, listen, a closed mouth does not get fed. And I appreciate anyone who's out there, you know, not just dreaming of a dream, but actually taking action steps to accomplish and not just live, but go further. And so, yeah, I've always loved you for that. 
that was that was you said that exact same thing to me when we when we had our first phone call a closed mouth does not get fed and i was like yes sister uh-huh so speaking of hustle like how did you get started on this journey with not only founding your nonprofit but empowercon becoming a novelist i know you've got like four kids like I know. I'm about, I'm about to be a grandmother in January. That too. I think that's really messing with people's minds. They're like, we're not ready for that from you, Alia. Like, wait, hold on. Now you're a grandmother. You're <laughs> like, people always ask me, when do you sleep? But um, the, the, I, I, and I wonder when you sleep personally, Kimberly, <laughs> if there was really anyone ever that I wonder when they sleep, it's gotta be you. Um, so I, you're the only woman I know who's willing to come over at my house at nine o'clock in the morning just to do like to committee, you know, to, to take a meeting. I think it's amazing. Um, and with our kids too. Right, right. <laughs> so, good. so um, you know, how I got, I've always for, for many years, you know, I've definitely been in the, the, I've loved to help others. You know, I started, I went through, you know, a lot of things in my life, as you said, in, in your intro. And when people really find out what that means, I'm not talking about, oh, well, you know, I, I mean, I was homeless. <laughs> I went through, you know, I, I was uh, sexually assaulted as a, as a teenager and, and molested quite often as a child, unfortunately. And so ever since I was younger, I really wanted to give back or find a way to help others. And for a long time, there was healing in that for me. I'm sure you can understand when you help others, you know, be better in their own lives. It's, it's a gift to you as well. So I started off helping at the orphanages when I was 18 years old. And then after that, you know, it was wherever I could either feed the homeless or offer my time. When I had cancer, uh, I was actually blessed to not have circumstances that would cause me to have to think about, okay, is my rent going to be paid this month? Are my electricity bills going to stay on? And so I ended up starting an organization that helps families going through cancer. And eventually it just led me to this road where it was kind of like, you know, I, I didn't just want to help the cancer community. There were people outside of that. And, I, and, and unsugar-coated media is just the idea of bringing people together, kind of cultivating a, a, a community of authors, speakers, um, you know, just different crea uh, creatives, whether it's an artist in paint or whether you're writing books or whatever, if you have something powerful to say, then let's link up together and put this out for the world to receive and hopefully grow from. And that's where, you know, like us, I mean, EmpowerCon was such an amazing experience. I'm so glad that you're able to be part of it. And you were part of what made that magnificent. And for people to walk away and say, wow, my life really feels changed. That's what makes me excited. So that's how I kind of, you know, I think I've arrived at this. Now with my storytelling, my story, storytelling is kind of learning to take from those experiences that I've had and tell a story that can positively help humanity or speak to some issues that let's talk about them. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I love doing it in, in my writing, my novels. That's my little, that's my, that's my true desire. If I could just write stories all day long, I actually would do that. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Truth be told. That's your genius zone. Yeah. So I know in your storytelling, you write a lot about, from in, in a fictional way, the experiences being a, a Muslim woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually... How, yeah, go ahead. How, oh, how has that impacted what you do in, in, in every way? Well, you know what? It, it, it's showing, and I'm going to be quite honest with you, it's showing that I came to a point in my life where I was no longer going to be silent on that issue. I'm, I'm an American-born person. I'm not what, you know, a lot of times people tend to think a Muslim, they think, oh, they must be an immigrant coming from Syria or Jordan or whatnot. And though, you know, I am a first generation on my father's side, 
uh, immigrant on my mother's side, my family goes back, you know, you and I have talked, we go, it goes back hundreds of years and um, it's very American, very, you know, uh, and so I have this diverse cultural background and for a long time being a Muslim, when I spoke those words, Kimberly, it's like you can almost see someone's mind completely change about you. Their perspective is now, oh, they think, they think something. And so I, to avoid that, for a long time, I didn't tell people I was Muslim. Not necessarily, you know, it wasn't something that I was so bold about. It was something I kind of more like, if you found out it about, if found it out about me after you got to know me, I felt more comfortable with that because then I felt you were getting to know me but being an author and really leading with that at times right now, it's, it's really, it's impacted me in, a, you know, in ways of where I'm both thankful for the opportunity to stand up and represent other Muslim women and Muslims, period, but also just somebody who is considered different and not being afraid of what that means. Because not everybody, you know, is, there are people who love my books and love my message. And believe me, Kimberly, there's people who are like, oh, no, 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 we don't like that, you know, and, and that's what I had to learn to stop being afraid of. Well, and the beautiful thing is that you talk about some things that are, I mean, if through the eyes of your character, like we've discussed, um, your character swears. And these are yeah. certain behaviors that traditionally are not accepted by, by the Muslim community as well. Oh, well, they swear. They just, you know, like, like a lot of people, you see, you know, there's that perception that you know if, if you wear a hijab you don't curse i love telling the story that you know that the first time i was given a copy or told about <laughs> what was that the um the the 50 shades of gray you know the first people yeah. to tell me about 50 shades of gray and say oh i've got an electronic copy of the book i'll send it to you was all my hijabi friends at the mosque we're sitting there at one of the kids birthday parties and like, oh have you read 50 shades of gray <laughs> I mean, and I love that. I want to sh that shatter those stereotypes of putting people in boxes because we shouldn't, right? You know that. Let's not put people in boxes because they will blow your mind every single time. And so like, yeah, my character is a young girl and she's cursing or, you know, you have the mom in the car bopping her head to the music and you know, just like, just like everyone else, right? And like, that's really what I try to do in my storytelling is give that perspective that takes someone maybe where they wouldn't be otherwise. What is it about storytelling in specific that you find so necessary for our culture right now? Because, it, well, one for the perspectives, you know, because perspectives is what helps people grow and gain knowledge, in my opinion, or, you know, one of the many things. And I think that if you can tell a story that both entertains but educates someone or inspires someone to be better, to, you know, to try harder, whatever, yeah, it's, it's, that to me is what I think is important. Um, very interesting, as you know, we shared, we shared the stage with Michael Yuslin at EmpowerCon. A lot of people don't know his name, but he is the man who is, he's the originator of Batman, you know, as we know it. And I talk about him a lot because I find him, A, as you know, he's amazing. He's amazing. Like his story was extraordinary. Absolutely. Man waited 10 years to get Batman produced and he held just, the story is extraordinary. And I was so grateful to meet him at EmpowerCon. Yeah. And so they just released Joker and Joker took a lot of flack, you know, because it was kind of like this, well, why are we highlighting this, you know, this particular character? And, you know, he said, that's exactly what we have to do. We have to talk about it. We have to show it. And you might not agree with it, but at the end of the day, it's like, we do need to talk about these issues. And uh, I just find that film and stories and reading, you know, they take you to places you wouldn't otherwise be able to go. And so that's, that's important for our society to have that. 
Amen. So as a writer, did, did you go to author school? <laughs> did you, like, did you, how did you prepare for this or did you just naturally? No, I've always um, been a writer. You what? I've always been a writer. Yeah. I was a storyteller in school. I was one of the kids that when my teacher, and this is a funny story, true story. I was in high school and uh, English teacher gave a writing assignment and said, okay, I want the whole class to write a story based on my first line. And it's just going to be, you know, and the line is last night I went out on a date and dot, 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 right? He said, okay, you guys go home, come back with an essay based on this line. And so I, I think I was a sophomore in high school. And so I get to my, my, my turn comes by the way, and everyone comes the next day and they're telling the stories. Oh, I went on a date and I, I went, we went on a walk under the moon and it was so cool, you know, and then we went home and kissed on the cheek and then we went inside or whatever they, you know, they told their story. And I ended up retelling a story genuinely 100% true almost, but I took it and I turned it into a fictional story of like the worst date ever, where everyone was like pitching the whole, oh, I had the best date of my life. I went on a date and I fell in love. I did that the woman fell, that the, you know, she runs into the waiter and she's got lettuce and tomato all over her and her foot's getting stuck in the floor and the guy's having to pull it out. And basically at the end of the date, he drops her off, drives away and never looks back. And, and my teacher was like, holy cow, what? caused you to write that like I took I loved seeing the expressions of the surprise and so I've always I feel like you know if you if you really have a passion for writing it's in you like anything else and then through business it was what got me you know it's one of the reasons why I was a successful business person because the art of communication is truly that Kimberly as you know an art yeah. right and yeah so it is an art being able to effectively communicate even when I you know though I will have to say when I went to law school my, my, uh, you know, I had just come from undergrad where, you know, I, my teachers were praising my work and they're like, this is some of the best things I've read. And I'm like, thank you. Then I went to law school and my professor from my first paper was like, whoa, 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 we don't need all that pretty discussions and descriptions, just, just this. And I was like, oh, okay. Just make your case. <laughs> right. Just make your case. But so that kind of chopped me down. I think that was a good experience though, because it made me kind of find a place in the middle where I'm not you know, over descriptive. People say when they read my books, they feel like they're reading almost like a movie-ish. It's very cinematic. I kind of push the scenes along. I'm not extra, you know, uh, but that is also maybe because that's the way my mind thinks and that's the way my mind sees it. I see it in scenes as if it's already a movie. Did you, did you grow up going to a lot of movies or wanting to, to be in, in, in Hollywood? I know you are married to a Hollywood executive producer. I am. I, I, I know. Um, no, funny enough, my, I didn't actually want to, my, I had family who was actually in the stunt industry. So I saw a lot more of behind the scenes work instead of, you know, uh, my, my second cousin is, uh, he's the stunt coordinator for movies such as the Fast and the Furious and, you know, Aliens versus Cowboys. And, you know, actually a lot of just three generations of stunt, uh, family. And so I saw that and that was attractive to me. I love that. If anything, girl, I wanted to go be a freaking stunt girl. I wanted to be like, let me drive a car <laughs> off a cliff. I have a little bit of, you know, dangerous in me. And, uh, but I didn't want to be, you know, an actress, but I, I do just love writing. I will say I wrote a, read a lot of Danielle Steele as a kid, probably too much at like 12, you know, I was too much about the girth and the loins and the, you know, <laughs> he took me in his arms. <laughs> That's so fun. I never got into Daniel Steele. I was always the murder mystery girl and I was always trying to figure out 
who did it right before by like chapter three. Yeah. And movies, we didn't see movies. You know, I, I was not raised in that like time frame. And plus I was raised in Napa, California. And there was like you know, two movie theaters. And, you know, my, my mom was like, no, go read a book. I'm not sending you to a movie. And I really didn't get into movies until later on as far as like watching them. But now it's, you know, my last book, we're actually adapting it currently for film. So you never know. You never know. You might see this one. Turn I wouldn't mind that. I like writing my books. If I could turn them into good movies, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I could see your name on the big screen. For sure. <laughs> well, we've got one Lanius up there. We just need to get the other Lanius up there. Yeah, get the, get the two Laniuses. You have Mr. and Miscellaneous. Yes. <laughs> but, so, but I love what, what I love now, and I just want to say, I'm sorry. Um, oh, go for it. What I love, though, is being able to take what I write. I love, you know, really like we talked about, what ends up with unsugar-coated media. Is I will say this. I don't write something without there being some intent in it for empowerment. So it's like I'm not just telling a story just to tell it, you know, about some girl who took a walk and had, you know, revelation or something other than that. I, I really, there's always something in it that's speaking to a greater purpose. And that's what, that's where I felt unsugar-coated media and being a nonprofit would become powerful. And that is one of the things that I, that I love about you specifically is how you you take these experiences, painful experiences that you you have shared only touched on um, here, but um, you've shared many more with me in, in the past, and and that you've turned every single experience that you have been through into something for good, into something to empower people and highlight the the power that we all have inside of us where did where did that come from i'm gonna tell you uh, the honest truth is honestly feeling a little bit helpless uh, and i mean that very authentically like i want to help people and I, sometimes it saddens me that i can't help them more by that Amen. i mean i can't jump into their body and help them be you know i i and i and it's and it's an interesting personality i have these days too because I don't just hold my own self accountable. I have now developed a voice into where I kind of hold other people around me accountable as well. And I try to say, okay, look, you know, we have a moment here where maybe, you know, sure, we could just go at each other, but, you know, we, we could take a moment to just reflect on our behavior and maybe realize that whatever we're bickering about, and I say this because there's so much road rage and people, you know, you go out somewhere and you see people videoing and fighting in McDonald's and all this. And if we just took a step back and actually reflected on our behavior and realized this is not worth it. You know, and, and so anyways, just getting people, I want to help people become really empowered in the way that they live so that they lead happier lives. And I'm not saying my life is a hundred percent. I'm not happy. You know, you know, what, you know, we have that, we've had those discussions. You know, I'm not happy all the time running around, but I tell you what, I'm grateful. I'm alive. I'm here. I've got one foot I can put in front of the other. And if I didn't have that and I just had me, it's whatever I have, I move forward with. And, you know, it's like, I feel helpless. Sorry. That that sometimes I can't get other people to really live that, you know, you know that there are people you've been able to help, but then you know that there are some that just don't get it. And uh, so having that feeling of helplessness, it just makes me keep trying because maybe one person I can't, but you know what, maybe the next person I can. I completely agree. I think um, that that experience of you can't want someone's success, health or happiness more than them. Mm -hmm. Like you can want it, but if you, if they don't want it enough for themselves, there's n very little you could you can persuade and you can influence all day long and do the best that you can to do that. But they need to want it at some deep intrinsic level to 
to change at that, to, to move beyond what they're comfortable with feeling. Absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent. It's interesting. I was talking to my son last night. My son's a good kid. He's 14. He's in ninth grade, but he's grown up in a life. And I, it's very funny. We were having this, I'm like, you're not understanding what I'm saying, but it's okay. I told him because you know, my son, he does well. And he's not the, he's not yet at that point in his life where he's thirsty for knowledge or this or that. And, you know, and we were talking about, it, I said, well, you're not, you're not thirsty, but to some degree, Kamal, that's not your fault because you've been raised in a life where you didn't have to think about how am I going to survive? How am I going to, you know, you've been blessed with a life where you just get to go to school and come home and you have a couple chores and you, and so you, you take life a little bit casually, but there are people in this world who are so thirsty because their whole life depends on it. I have to learn. I have to get a job. I have to take care of my family. I have to, you know, the, all the, I have to, I have to, I have to. Yeah. And, you know, and those people do stand out, you know, the Steph Curry's in the world stand out, you know, because they fight very hard to get where they want, that where they get to, especially when you have a lot of people on the sidelines saying, oh, they're not that good. They'll never be anything. And those people that are thirsty for that, they stand out. So my son, he felt, you know, I was not trying to criticize him, but I was definitely letting him know there's a difference between people who are thirsty and who are so hungry and there's people who just kind of have to, they grow into that and, you know, or, or they take a little bit more time because of their circumstances. So how do you nurture that, that hunger for someone who is, has grown up a little bit more comfortably to where they didn't have to have so much struggle? Because sometimes I was just on a, a coaching call with my Princess Process members and sharing with them that, you know, because we are just in America, we are the 1% of the world. Like some people are living on a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. And, and so how, how do you like to shift that perspective to give them that awareness and then to maybe stoke that fire of service more in their bellies? You know, I mean, I think that's where it comes in sharing certain experience. You, like you said, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? Amen. You can make them thirsty you can make the horse thirsty. And what I do, you know, I know that in my own family, we do nurture like the holidays, you know, I mean, I don't do it just in the holidays, but you have to go out there and really see the world and show them and show what the alternatives can be if you don't, you know, if you don't take care of yourself and you don't do the things necessary to, you know, to like be a contributing member of society and whatnot. But more than that, I constantly you know, encourage people to seek out knowledge, to seek out experiences that will help them, you know, find that motivation, find that inspiration. Like EmpowerCon, when we did that, you know, it's a one, it's an event one time a year and we want to do that, but there's so many other amazing events. You go to them all the time. And every time you go, don't you walk away feeling like a little bit, you have a little bit more positivity. You have a little bit more, you know, tools to deal with the issues in life. But if people, I encourage people to get out there or try and, you know, and you, you know, with your organization, you, you provide tools to people, you communicate with people. And as a result of that, they receive that nurturing in my, in my belief. Well, I hope so. (laughs) That's what I hope for. How can you not? You have such an amazing personality and such a a genuine heart. How can you not? (laughs) Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, there definitely are are those, those days sometimes, we all have them, where, where we doubt and whatnot. And that's one of the reasons why I encourage like live events like EmpowerCon because as, as 
great as and as wonderful and broad as the connections are now with how connected we are through social media and communication uh, across the interwebs and around the world, there is a difference of experiencing that energy of people in real life and, and really feeling what they're going through. And when you see sometimes how good you have it or like, oh, I can definitely, I can make it even better than, than stoking that and getting out and doing events like EmpowerCon, events that, that challenge you and stretch you to look at how are you perceiving the world? Because you and I both know that like perception is projection. Mm-hmm. So how you perceive the world is, is going to impact everything around you. And so those little perspective shifts of how can you see problems, not as problems, but as problems, as opportunities, seeing that through the lens of other events, other people, it's the best mirror on Absolutely. the planet. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because you and I both take it very seriously how we impact other people's lives. But obviously the most important, the first line is our family. And at EmpowerCon, one of the biggest, oh my, I mean, actually my favorite part of it was afterwards, my 20 something year old daughter coming up to me and saying, mom, well, first of all, she didn't actually realize that I had, you know, that I was the creator of this event. She thought I was just speaking at an event called EmpowerCon. At least that. My daughter didn't even realize. She's like, mom, I didn't realize. She's like, I come in and I see your name and I see this. And she's like, wow, okay. And at the end, she said, mom, you know, I'm really glad I came because you've inspired me to really rethink about, you know, because in your 20s, you kind of, like you said, or even, shoot, even in your 40s, let, let's, let's let everyone on the secret, see, let everyone in on the secret that you can go a long time and then still guess, what do I want to do with my life? Am I doing the right thing with my life? But she, she was inspired and she says, you know, this made me think, well, what am I capable of doing? And that meant everything, Kimberly, because, you know, when you talk about, yeah, like if we can't inspire our own family, then, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great, it was a great feeling. And, you know, there's so much right now. I feel, I mean, we both know it's either, and I don't have, you know, I mean, it's like, there's, it's not about being political, but I see within humanity, a great shift in just how we are treating people, treating people. And so for me EmpowerCon and other live events that bring you together and focus on the positivity, we really need those things right now. And maybe people aren't used to it. Maybe you have never in PowerCon. I remember when I was out street marketing just because I love doing it. And I love going up to somebody and introducing myself and inviting them. And even if they don't talk to me, I don't care. There's those ones that are like really interested. And, you know, people are like, why would I go to an event like this? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> or why wouldn't you go to look for some of these nonprofits? I'm sure you're going to, you know, you, you, you see what they're doing. And I think one other possible thing that people could do is go spend more time helping nonprofits, you know, volunteer your time if you have it, volunteer, you know, whatever you can, because the reward is knowing that you're helping others. And again, it's just, you can't know what that feels like until you've turned around and heard someone say, you've inspired me, you've helped me get through a really, really rough day. And so, you know, and I, think Ollie, more that. Hmm. I, I think that that's such a poignant point. And I just want to point out that it wasn't just like, if you think that when you have the, the money or when you have the success or when you have the whatever that you think that you want, then by the time that you achieve this certain marker in your life, then that's when you're going to go help nonprofits. Then that's when you're going to start donating to charity that's not going to happen because that won't be congruent with, with your identity. 
So if you want to shift into that person who is of service now, start thinking now, how can you shift? Start thinking now how you can make the time, how you can just, you know, go to children's hospital and and donate blood for 20 minutes or donate 10% of your, of what you make or donate even just $5 or a dollar, get into the practice of that habit. Because if you think that, oh, well, when I have a million dollars, then I'll be really generous with donating. No, you won't because you'll be out of practice. It won't be a part of your identity. If you want that to be something that you'll have when, when you achieve whatever level of success it is that you desire, start now. Oh yeah. And you know what though, but on to, to, to counter and you know, to add to that, I should say, then you have people who are like, well, I don't have a lot to give. I only have $10. You know, maybe there are those people that say, you know, I don't have a lot. I only have like $10 to give to some charity. Okay. Guess what? The collective effect of all of us together helping, you know, we have people who have been through fires, who have lost everything, go through your closet, throw out some of your old clothes, or even if it is just $10, it's okay together we make a difference. It may seem like it's a little bit, but you and I both know if you have a hundred people give $10, well then you, you know, you, you've moved past $10, but you can't be afraid to say, I don't make that big of a difference. So maybe I just won't contribute because that's the wrong way to think about it. I, like I said earlier, I was 18 years old. I really was still trying to, oh my, and when I was 18, my life was a mess, but yet I found time to go to, you know, drive with my church group down to a, a church or I mean, a an orphanage in Tecate, Mexico. And, and, you know, the, the look on their faces when you just play a basketball game with them, or you, you know, you don't have to have much to give to somebody. A lot of times people just want your time. And especially if they're children, you know, or you're sitting like there's people, children sitting in ice and, um, oncology units in hospitals as a three-time cancer survivor sitting in the hospital is the most boring thing you can ever go through in your life you're like okay I've got three channels on the tv one of them I don't understand and you know what I mean it's just there's so much that you can actually do and I think that if people stepped away from that thought of like well I'm just not you know since I'm not solving the world's problems I'll just do nothing that's not the answer either amen amen so what would, how do you define empowerment? <laughs> That's a good one. Now, first, truth, first of all, truth, truth, not. You know, that's why we're all the unsugar-coated media comes from truth, speaking candidly, being candid, being honest, not being a jerk about it. Because some people seem to think that now being, you know, it's like, no, truth, true empowerment is knowing, you know, I'll give you an example. We're taught a lot of things as women throughout generations. One of the things my grandmother, my grandmother was a beautiful woman. Her and my grandfather had an amazing relationship, actually, and it was wonderful. But she used to tell me something. She used to say, well, you have to keep yourself up as a woman, because if you don't, then they're going to look around and, you know, that's you're giving your husband a reason to cheat the minute you don't look like a runway model. And I mean, it's not that my grandmother looked like a runway model, but she was a very, she, she, I mean, all my life, she was always very cognizant of her health. She didn't go outside of the house without putting, you know, makeup on and all of that. And, you know, okay. What she, part of what she was telling me, take care of myself. That was a good thing. Self-love. You and I've talked about feel good about yourself. Of course, Amen. it's okay to be a woman. And, and, you know, even if you're a mom, it's okay. What was wrong in that was this perception that if, if my husband cheats, it's my fault or I, or if, or if you're an attractive woman, that as if that means your husband is not capable of cheating. 
and you and I both know when you have those conversations with women, that's not the case. And so that you just open the celebrity magazines and you'll see the gorgeous women who have been cheated on by gorgeous men. Exactly. And so while her intentions were well placed, I'm sure what she taught me was, oh, so if if I don't look a certain way, they're going to not love me anymore. Mm. And that was the wrong thing to teach me. So to me, empowered is saying, no, that's not true. Knowing the truth, teaching our women the truth and, and our men the truth as well, you know, teaching, teaching men, hey, if you have a good woman and you mess around on her, you do certain things, she's going to leave your butt, <laughs> you know, she's, you know, and you, you won't, or women, you know, like I learning to love yourself and be okay with look like, I just have this story to tell really quick as my, my husband, he, you know, you and I, I'm remarried. We have a three-year-old daughter, Sophia. And he, from the day we brought her home from the hospital, I used to kind of chuckle at it. He would tell her, uh, and this is gold. This is really, truly amazing. He would tell her, uh, you are beautiful, strong, and courageous. I talked about this at EmpowerCon. It's literally led to like this. It's inspired this whole thing for me because what's amazing, Kimberly, is my daughter, and you know, she's speech delayed. So she doesn't say everything very well. She speaks, but it's hard sometimes. But that She is girl, beautiful, strong, and courageous. She looks at the mirror and she says it. And I think, wow, what if every person, not just women, what if every person we, from the beginning of our you know, adventure in this world, looked at ourselves and said, you are beautiful, you are strong, you are courageous. How much more, how much different would our outcome be, right? Amen. So being empowered is definitely, you know, teaching people that as well. And I, I totally agree with candor uh, because with with my work with a lot of my clients, that's one of the things bringing them out of the, the people pleasing, the desire to, and it's not people pleasing from always a place of lack though, that does always come from fear. It, it comes from that sometimes it's people pleasing of like, oh, I don't want to hurt the other person or the perception that you're going to hurt the other person by telling them what they, what, what you want for yourself and for your relationship. And I love that you said being empowered is also being candid and candid is, is also, it's not necessarily being a jerk about saying, you know, Hey, this is what I want, but especially if you're in a romantic relationship with somebody who truly loves you, they want the best for you just as you want the best for them. Mm -hmm. And withholding and silent suffering your desires of what you want your relationship to look like, that is disempowering you and it will eventually disempower the relationship. A hundred percent. So I love the fact that empowerment for you, and I mean, because I definitely live by that definition as well. Like candid, like my husband was my experiment in pure candor of just being totally 100% honest with like, this is what's up. This is what I like. This is what I don't. And like, there's nothing that I would say to like my coach or somebody else that I wouldn't say to my husband's face. Oh, yeah. Because... I know that he and I built that as a foundation for our relationship was 100% honesty. And that's empowered us both to go out and pursue whatever it is that we want to pursue. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And not everyone has that. And it's like, like you said, it's in the foundation. It's in the foundation of, you know, what we're building. And which is funny because dating is often the opposite, right? First, I always tell people when you're dating, the first six months, you really don't know that person. What you know is who they're mostly trying to 
show you so that you like them back, you know, and you're not coming out saying I'm crazy and I'm moody. I'm, which was funny. Cause yes, just like you, we talked about that. When I first met Joseph, it was like, I'd been there, done that, literally wrote the book about it. Well, you know, ended up writing the book about it. but I was like, I, I was like, no, no, we're not doing that. Listen, I'm moody. I'm not patient. I'm not going to sell you that. I'm just some amazing woman who's like, you know, I'm not, I'm imperfect and I have my flaws, you know, but, but behind that, I'm an, an amazing person who will love you if you love me back or you know not like right away we weren't saying that on the first date but I mean you get what you give give from me like in the you know at the end of the day and it's like I'm a good person I may not be you know but I like my flaws now I used to think when I was younger I wanted so much to be just normal just like everyone else and now I kind of like being different it's really good that's empowering too and amen skin, you know well Alia I think you were you certainly were born to stand out and I think that that's why you and I get along so well <laughs> <laughs> I think because so. and, and you just have such ownership of that and and that's something that I truly admire about you and and unsugarcoated media is that it's being unsugarcoated about your desires like you want to be up on stage you just create the stage and and you rock it out and that's something that that so often paradigms of hiding in the background or the belief of like, oh, just blend in or just, you know, be normal, be like everyone else um, is a myth. It's just a belief. And, it really is. and it you is. just crush that belief, stomp on it with your fancy stilettos and keep on walking. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that not everybody likes that. And, and this is the truth. And you'll know, you know, you try to be like, cause I feel that uh, some people last night, my, we were down, um, we live right here by Beverly Hills downtown. And so they did the, the, the holiday season lighting on Rodeo drive. And so I, you know, we're like, okay, let's take the kids really quick and we'll just, you know, go. And so I was standing in line waiting with some other people who were in front of me and, um, to order something, you know, and I see a woman walk up and I'm, you know, how, you know, how when you're in a line and you kind of see someone walk up and you're like, okay, we're in a line here. I don't want to have to be rude, but you know, how is this going to go down if she tries to move in front of me? Right. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? And so you know, so, I, but I kind of, you know, my husband's standing with the baby over in the stroller and I, and I, and I see her. And so I kind of make sure that the people in front of me are actually waiting to order and they're not just waiting for food. So I'm like, Hey, you know, you're, you're ordering food here. Yes. 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 So then eventually, just as I thought, when I went to move forward, the woman's like, um, excuse me, I'm next. And I was like, no, actually I've been here. And then she goes, no, I heard you say, is this the end of the line? I said, yes, because I just saw you walk up and I didn't want to have, a, <laughs> I didn't want to be, you know? And so it was very interesting, Kim, because of course she did the very, she just passive aggressively. She just kind of looks at me and she does this happy holidays, you know, but she's being completely sarcastic about Inauthentic, it. She, she yeah. comes next to me and, you know, in a moment I'm like, okay, I, I, I get it. The woman does not like that. I'm telling her the truth. She thinks, but I turn to her and I'm like, ma'am, just so you know, like you said, happy holidays. It's not that big of a deal. And she just, you know, her whole, she was not having it, Kim. She was just like, mm -hmm. oh, really? Oh, okay. Thank you. And I'm like, no, because I can see that you're upset. And I just, I, you know, it's, we don't, we don't, we don't have to go there. And she just was like, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I felt for her and I just kind of, okay, you're, you don't want to hear it. I get it. You know, it's not always, you know, cause I'm not trying to preach or mother her, but I, you know, I think that we all can take a step back and be cognizant of our behaviors towards other. And sometimes we just get so you know, we, we don't, we allow our lives and mind you on the flip side of that, I'm the type of person who now speaks up because I had been, you know, my voice had been suppressed for so long. So of course now I'm like, well, I'm going to say I'm next in line. I'm not going to be afraid. 
And I think that especially when we talk about the holiday season and that's why we create these events because it's not just about putting people on stage to talk to you about being life, but it's about us all learning and actually living that life. Walking, walking the walk and not just talking the talk. Exactly. Exactly. Integrity and congruence is so key to living, um, as my mentor, Brendan Burchard says, a charged life. Like congruence is essential. And if there are things in your life that are out of alignment or you're breaching your integrity on them, it will affect and ripple into the other areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would love to know how has being a woman helped or hurt you in your career as, as an author, as a writer, as a businesswoman? I know you've had, you've, you're very multi-passionate like me. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, which I will be, cause I don't like Always. to be dishonest. <laughs> just be sugarcoated a lot. Ollie, I'm like, that's like, I keep, how it goes. <laughs> I keep it real because, you know, look, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm a woman, I think because I am um, strong and, and kind of passionate. And then I'm, you know, I, I find it interesting now when I was younger, I never thought I was attractive. And then now I find like, I'm like, Oh, I grew up to say, Oh my goodness. So you are actually a beautiful woman and we're all beautiful, but I won't, I won't lie. I see. It astounds me that you would ever think that you weren't attractive. Like it astounds me. You are stunning. If only you knew, (laughs) you know, but I talk about that. I tell people and I wouldn't even take pictures with my family that often. I just didn't feel comfortable in front of a camera. I genuinely, you know, and then I got sick and I was in the hospital, you know, thinking I'm, not knowing if I'm going to live or die. And I just remember not having many pictures for my kids. And I realized, why was I being so hard on myself? I was, what if I died? My kids would have no pictures of me. And so I, I pushed myself out of that comfort zone, but it still took a while for me to actually look at myself and say, you know, you really are actually a beautiful woman, Alia. And, and it's not about my weight. It's not about my size. It's just, it's just, you know, you, you are, you, you do have character, you know, it's okay to pat yourself on the back for being a good person. But, but I say this to say that I, as a woman, obviously it's helped me. It's helped me to be able to, um, to get some people's attention. But I will say that in other areas, especially in the literary world, you know, where they can be quite snobby, it doesn't really impact anything at all. You know, I'm over here like, listen, I am the next best, I'm the greatest thing next to sliced bread. And they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And I'm like, no, but I am. They're like, no, you're not. No, I, and I don't think I, of myself that narcissistically, but I just say it. If I said that, they'd be like, no, you're not. so, I mean, you know, it just, but I think that, you know, if anything is, it has, it's the challenge, the challenge of being a woman, a mother, a caretaker of your family and having to manage dentist appointments and picking up kids from school and yet running and making books and, and creating events. Um, I think what has contributed to me is that women, I am just blessed to be part, be a woman because we are so incredibly strong. We are strong creatures by nature. I think we are goddesses. And I think so many women fail to tap into their potential energy, capacity, you know, just whatever it is that they want to do. I think that we doubt ourselves way too much. But at the same token, you get a woman who's on a mission, man, nothing going to stand in between her and that. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So what difference should we really celebrate that women have from men? I mean, you know, look, like you said, nurturing. I mean, we are, we are, we can just balance so much. I'm not taking anything away from men. Men are fantastic. Men are strong too, but we have a different strength. I mean, and, and that's not me being, I'm not trying to jump in any feminist lane. I'm speaking physically and emotionally. If you really want to look at it, I just 
I feel that women, we can take a lot. <laughs> we can take a lot, you know, and men don't have to shoot a baby out of their hoo-ha. <laughs> they don't, and they don't have to deal with menstruation every month and all that. And, and granted, they have their slew of issues and they have to, you know, they got to carry the burden of their family and, you know, but women do too. You know, we just, we it's carry just different. It. it is, it is different. And, but, um, I think that women make wonderful monarchs within their families. We're the leaders. We have that capacity. And so, I mean, to me, that's the big, we just, we have this, you know, we can be nice and we can be hard. Guys sometimes struggle with that. Like, right. Like I can go out and teach a boot camp, but then I can sit there and have my child fall and give them kisses on the boo-boo and, you know, come here, come sit on my lap. Let me hold you. Let me help you feel better. Just that capacity and kind of almost duty as women. I think it's, it's a remarkable part of who we are. So I would love to know what is your absolute favorite failure? Because fa a lot of women, I think, you know, with all that you've accomplished, so many women, even just, and men too, um, have a fear of even just getting started because of the fear of failure. And I found from my own experiences that we can learn far more from our failures and our, our trials than we actually do from our successes and our triumphs. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I, I love, my, I mean, I don't love my failures, but I am thankful for my failures. Um, my favorite failure, I mean, wait, there's too many to pick. <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, I mean it is going to sound really soon. My favorite failure is actually my last marriage. <laughs> and I don't like saying calling like, with the man, it's not, and I don't, I, what I mean by that was, you know, that saying it takes something falling apart for other things to come together. And what that experience taught me, the, the quote unquote failure of what I wanted to be this happily ever marriage and recognizing of what, you know, the truth was I deserved more. I just wasn't willing to acknowledge it or I didn't see that I deserved more. And so for that reason, I continued to deal with a lot of things I didn't have to, but by, by finally learning that, that is definitely because that's out of that, you know, we rise multiple times. I don't feel you just die and rise from the ashes once in life. You can definitely do it several times. I know I've had to in my life over and over have these kind of rebirth experiences, pulling myself up and and, and I mean that literally, like I remember being on treatment in cancer, you know, during, uh, in 2010, I couldn't barely take a shower without fearing that I would pass out in the shower. And I just, you know, it's and those moments that you really have to pull yourself up. But the, the, the failure of that marriage, if you, you know, uh, it was, it taught me so much about myself. It taught me what I deserved for myself. I'm not, you know, and so yeah, my favorite. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, and with learning that lesson of it teaching you what you deserved, what did you decide that you deserved because of that experience? To live my life authentically, that I deserved to be me and, and, and that's okay. And what, what does that mean, be me? I mean, I'm, I'm silly. I'm silly. I'm goofy. I have multiple different personalities. I walk around and yell at my kids in different accents because, you know, we're multicultural. You know, I take on the old Arab grandmother, you get your shoes over the top. Don't put your stuff there. You know, I just, and, and, you know, funny, I remember, you know, it was like before I get the looks or I felt, I felt I couldn't 
give myself permission to just be me. When people meet me and they find out I'm 44 and about to be a grandmother, they look at me and they're like, no way. And I think I legitimate, Kimberly, I think you would agree. It's because I, I think I still act like a kid at times. Like I yes. still, I'm very, you catch me in my Nikes and my, you know, my pants and people are like, you still, you know, and yeah, we were on the floor playing magnets in our, <laughs> in our leadership board meeting, just because, you know, yeah. when you're building something, you might as well be building something. So why not play those or magnets? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, but, you know, we, we, it's, it's like you, and that's what it taught me that, you know, even just doing or, you know, giving my, what I gave myself permission to do is to be okay with who I am looking in the mirror and saying, okay, if I gained five pounds, I'm still freaking beautiful, you know, or, and just living life on my terms which was very important as a cancer survivor. You know, I just didn't want to live the fake life for everyone else to be happy. I wanted to live the genuine, authentic life that I'm happy in because I'm the one who's got to live this life. And now that you're living that life, what, what is the message that, what is the experience that, or the lessons that you have learned because of that? Because it seems to me, from my perspective, that by living your most authentic life, you're actually serving more people and stepping into like an even greater realm of, of service with, with your nonprofit, with EmpowerCon, with your books. That, that's from my perspective. I'd love to hear what it is from yours. Yeah. I mean, just stepping into that exactly. It's led me, I'm excited. I'm tired, you know, often because people, you know, know what I deal with in my physical and I, you know, the remnants of cancer and whatnot, but I'm excited. I'm excited because I just look at every day as an opportunity to do something new or what else can we, you know, people are like, well, should you be taking on all these projects? Yes. Why not? What, I mean, you know, and, <laughs> what's going to happen? I get cancer, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, yes, exactly. Like you said, it's just, and it's important. I think it, it's for me, it's also karma. Like, you know, and I, by that, I mean, just feeding the bank. I do subscribe to the theory that karma for me is you give, because then one day when you need that good karma to come back and help you out, like, you know, when you need a parking spot, when you need it most, <laughs> when you, or certain things, it's funny how those, they'll happen for you. It's like doors open that maybe wouldn't order open, but it, I feel it's just that reflection of you giving to the universe. I say you get what you give, right? And so if you give, and that's where nonprofits and being of service are such an amazing thing, um, you really get so much back from the universe and just people around you or your, you know, whatever it's, it's incredible. Always, always. That's, oh, I think that is the perfect place to switch into a little bit of rapid fire. If you are ready to get started. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> ready, set. Who was your favorite female character in a movie? Salma Hayek. Is in the movie of Summer oh, High's life. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I'm so sorry. I, I'm done. Okay, I filled the rapid fire already. See, it's too much pressure for me. Uh, who is my favorite? Oh, my goodness. You know what I'm going to say? Um, uh, this is going to sound cheesy as heck, but it was actually Anne of Green Gables as a kid growing up. Oh, my gosh. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Among, among a few others. But, yeah. Oh, was it the, the, the movie, the, like, t made-for-TV movie series? Yes, yes, yes. That one? I, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love that one so much. I've watched that so many times. Um, if you were a queen of a country, what would be your prime focus? Ooh, uh, 
oh, this is going to sound so freaking Miss Universe, but you no, know, seriously, peace. <laughs> can we get peace? Can we, can we, you know, uh, no, my, my, but my prime focus would be making sure that everyone in society has the opportunity to truly have at least the bare minimum to take care of their family and, you know, provide uh, a, an, a, the actual dream, not just the American dream, but any dream, you know, the dream. <laughs> If your palace had a swear jar, how much money would you have to put in it daily? Ooh. This depends on both how much you charge yourself. And- oh, I'd be broke. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be broke. I firmly believe in swearing. By the way, some things you just can't say. You know, and I was raised not to curse. It's actually very funny. I go through this process. If I have to curse in public, it, there's still that little pullback from me because I'm like, you're not supposed to say that out loud. But I can't help it, and it feels good. And so, yeah. But I would be broke. <laughs> I think an appropriately placed f bomb. Like there is no better word sometimes than just an appropriately placed f bomb. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So what woman would you want to trade places with just for one day? Ooh, uh, can, can it be Wonder Woman? Can it, does it have to be fictional or real? Because I'd like oh, to do it, really. Let me get some of those powers. Let me get some of those. I'll fix this world real quick. <laughs> Amen. What message do you want to share with the world? What would be your Miss Universe platform? We don't need to be so angry at each other. Where, where there's people in this world who think I can never accept this or I can never accept that you know what, open your heart, open your mind, because uh, the greatest tragedy of humanity is separation. Yes, I would crown you pageant queen. Like, that is that bomb drop. Pooh, that amazing. Lastly, how do you crown yourself? How do I crown myself? Uh-huh. Well, I'm like you. I have an actual crown from my wedding. I still use it. And I, you know, how do I crown myself? I, I crown myself by um gosh i don't know how you mean that you mean figuratively or literally <laughs> it entire like that's why i just leave it very open-ended oh i i mean i crown myself by being okay you know what being okay and accepting like we said on my life some days i'm busier than i don't even know how and then some days i just sit and drink my tea and take a break and i crown myself by allowing myself to do that because you know you have to pace yourself <laughs> amen Alia, it has been such a joy to have you on. I am so excited to highlight unsugarcoated media, authors, screenwriters, creatives. This is a this is a nonprofit that you will want to be in touch with, um, and and definitely come to EmpowerCon in twenty twenty. Yes. I am so excited for that event. It's going to be amazing. It is. <laughs> it's pretty be- amazing. We feel for the people who weren't able to make it, but it's okay. You can come next year. Just keep that in mind. Yep. Next year. <laughs> go to unsugarcoatedmedia.com to subscribe. And when tickets go on sale, you can be a, take advantage of early bird. But I mean, honestly, and it's so affordable. You know that we, I mean, we, we make this something that people can actually enjoy and feel, you know, they get something out of it. So I'm excited. And thank you, Kimberly, for having me. You are so welcome. Where else can we find you on the interwebs? So Instagram is my fave place. That's probably the just most direct. I share the most there. Uh, And that is Alia, A-A-L-I-A underscore unsugarcoated. Uh, And like I said, I'm I'm at unsugarcoatedmedia.com. Well, you heard it here first, my princess in the beers, my fellow empire builders. Let us build an empire that is community-focused, service-oriented, because I truly believe that when more 
mission-minded, good-hearted, purpose-driven, visionary leaders step up and empower themselves to empower others, this world will radically change. As you know, it is Nonprofit November where every, every purchase made on crownyourself.com, whether it's coaching with me, joining one of our memberships or purchasing one of our courses or pre-ordering a book, it 20% of our profits go to the Children's Tumor Foundation this month. So be sure to pop over there and check it all out as well as, of course, EmpowerCon 2020 and Unsugarcoated Media. Alia, thank you so much for coming on. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And as always, my fellow empire builders, own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.